yeah, for kind of a lot of personal reasons, that that route round uh, the Cairngorms was great, and I think it also um, it, it, it knitted together so many different landscapes. So there was the, the Alnac Gorge, which is a big glacial meltwater channel that's really off the beaten track. Um, uh, goes from Tom and Towel up into the Cairngorms. So it took in that bits of Abernethy Forest that are much less visited than than other parts. Um, uh, it, it went through um, a number of kind of little passes where not some of the better known passes in the Cairngorms, you know, little glacial breaches that cut between different glens um, so uh, and it was just a real sense of kind of a journey to episode number 29 of the Distance Hiker podcast. I'm your host Matthew and welcome to the show. I am pretty stoked to get this episode released today which is in partnership with Cicerone Press who asked me if I'd like to interview Steph and David who are the authors of a new guidebook called Scottish Wild Country Backpacking. Of course I said yes. So Steph and David share a bit about their background and what got them into walking and hiking and also writing and making a living out of writing and talking about it. All pretty standard distance hiker stuff. Then we go into the behind the scenes of this guidebook and how it came about and how they wrote it. We also look at who it's for. So the kind of who is really this guidebook for? If it, if it, is it for you? Is it for the kind of the weekend warrior, which it is? Um, then we go into a bit of the history and the roots that are on the in the guidebook as well. So we really do a deep dive into this new guidebook and it's a really fascinating look into walking and hiking in Scotland, um, especially over shorter weekends. And what I really, really like about this guide is that it picks a whole load of really short routes that you can walk in a weekend or in a long weekend, most of them. Um, it also talks about the options for where to leave your car. A lot of the routes are circular, so you can go back onto yourself. Um, some of them have public transport. So it's a really nice accessible guidebook for people who want to step into long distance hiking for the first time and they want to go and do that somewhere feel it, that feels very remote and very wild, which is Scotland. So they were total fountains of knowledge and all things hiking in Scotland. So really, really pleased with how this podcast turned out. I learned loads from it and I really hope that you take away a ton of value from it as well. Now, here's the next exciting bit of today's episode. In addition to bringing you today's guests, I have got a competition for you. Yes, that is right, a competition. This is the first distance hiker competition I have ever run and I'm really, really, really excited to be doing it. Super nervous because I hope I've not missed anything here, um, but let's give it a go. So, I thought a competition would be really really nice way to give back to you the listener and when Cicerone came to me with the proposal for this there yeah, excuse me the proposal for this competition and asked for it I asked for at least two chances for my audience to win a prize so there wasn't just one competition prize but there was going to be two at a minimum Cicerone gave me three so even better they've been really fantastic in putting this together for me so here are the details of the competition so the prize is a chance to win a copy of the Scottish Wild Country Backpacking Book 
that we talk about in today's episode and yes and two further cicerone guides of your choice there are three prizes up for grabs so there's going to be three people who win this competition now cicerone publishing sorry cicerone press have a huge catalog of guidebooks covering everything from long distance hiking um, with a ton of uk based routes and also guidebooks on cycling and scrambling and more I am super stoked to share this competition with you and also really thankful for Cicerone for taking the time to do this and and giving us the podcast guest today. And I really want to wish everybody who enters luck, good luck on this. So I really hope that you enter. And if you do, best of luck. Fingers crossed for you. Um, I obviously will not be entering. I don't think that'd be entirely ethical if I am. I really want to, but I can't because my competition. But if you are entering, good luck to you. So on to the nitty gritty details. If you want to enter the competition, here's what you need to do. It is very, very, very simple. Go to www.distancehiker.com forward slash Cicerone. So that is www.distancehiker.com forward slash Cicerone. You will be redirected from distancehiker.com to the Cicerone landing page on their website with the details of the competition. All you then need to do is enter your email address in the form on their page. From there, you just need to click the button to send in the competition to enter. But if you wish, you can subscribe to either my email newsletter or Cicerone's or both if you want to. You don't have to do that if you don't want to as well. But if you do, you can unsubscribe from those newsletters anytime by clicking the unsubscribe button at the bottom of the email and of course your details will not be shared with anyone beyond us or anyone else so your details will be secure if you subscribe to those email newsletters and your details will be secure with cicerone the competition runs up to the 18th of december and the winners will be announced shortly after by cicerone on a personal email and i will be cc'd into that email so hopefully that covers all bases for the competition. Um, as I say, this is a really great opportunity to get a couple of guidebooks, you know, some a really nice guidebook uh, around Scottish backpacking and then a couple of guidebooks for next year's hikes. So best of luck if you're entering. And on to today's episode with Stefan David, authors of Scottish Wild Country Backpacking. Enjoy. First things first, a bit of um, background about each of you. I'm not used to doing duo guests um in the show usually i'm sort of one-to-one kind of show so you're the second time in the last couple of months i've had two people on together so uh bear with me while i uh figure it out but um try and get the better right. more coming wise <laughs> yeah. um so um stefan um i'll start with you um could you um give us a bit of background um sort of who you are where you come from what you do yeah, um, so I, uh, gosh, where to start? Um, I live in Edinburgh currently. Um, I've lived in Scotland probably most of my life, though I spent quite a long period of time living down in London. Um, I guess in terms of outdoor interests, uh, I, um, I, I mean, I've always been keen in the outdoors. I was taken out fishing, camping, walking from a very young age by my dad. Um uh and my granddad as well so i've got a lot of very young uh, very early memories of 
going fishing with my, um, my granddad had an old petrol stove, setting his hands on fire, trying to fill it up, that kind of thing, loads of jeeps <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, exploits outdoors with my dad and my granddad. Um, we spent a lot of time, um, my granddad had a house up near Tom and Towel, so in terms of getting into hill walking and backpacking, um, it was we used to spend a lot of time up there and I, I think I gradually got into... Um, going out on my own, exploring further and further afield into the Cairngorms, staying in Bothies. Um, a, lot of, a lot of trial and error has to be said, um, uh, you, you know, and uh, no doubt lots of people have got similar experiences of like no equipment or the wrong equipment or going places you shouldn't do and whether you shouldn't be, that kind of thing. So um, that was really where I kind of cut my teeth in the Cairngorms and just kind of exploring through that area. Um, uh, and then, uh, yeah, from, from, from there, I, I kind of, um, uh, you know, I, I got quite heavily into, uh, you know, found out about Munro's and Munro bagging and Corbett's and all that kind of thing. Um, and, um, I, you know, explored further and further fields in Scotland um, when I was able to drive, you know, that, that um, I've got my mm-hmm. driving license as soon as I possibly can. Um, so then I'd be kind of negotiating to borrow the car to go further and further afield. And, um, and then when I uh, went to university in Glasgow, I met more people. Uh, I mean, a lot of these early ex- expeditions, I did spend an awful lot of time on my own. I went on my own. I did, you know, I was so keen to do it that I didn't really, yeah. uh, you know, and I was lucky that my, you know, my parents probably through grit, you know, kind of with a lot of kind of, um, they did allow me a lot of freedom to do that, which I'm kind of mm. forever grateful yeah. for. So, um, you know, and uh uh, so a lot of those early experiences were by my own. So I think that, that you know, probably some maybe big part of backpacking that we might get into later is, you know, about kind of the whole, that, that kind of self-sufficiency side of it in a way. Mm-hmm. So I think I kind yeah. of, um, you know, very much had that from an early age. So anyway, so yeah, so from when I was at university in Glasgow, I was um, getting the bus up with friends up up to Glencoe, kind of started exploring that area. Um, I must admit, I got into a bit of scrambling, but I never really kind of got into rock climbing as such. Mm. Um, I didn't really kind of progress into that, probably because I'm just a scaredy cat, really. Um, didn't really kind of, <laughs> it's a, never, it's a never, fact. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the sort of thing that mm, I always, always thing, yeah. yeah, it's the kind of thing I was always really impressed with people who could do it, but just kind of never quite, <laughs> it was never quite top of my list of set of priorities. Mm. I just liked I liked being out, walking long distances, um, just just kind of being outdoors as well. You know, I mean, the camping, um, the camp experience was kind of, you know, almost as important as the walking experience um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, so, so that's basically it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think through, you know, I, even when I was down in London, I mean, that was, um, you, you know, I, I kind of realised, you know we moved back up eventually and, and the outdoors was, was something that I missed hugely when mm. I was down there. Although I did get quite into um, uh, walking and exploring around in the home counties and uh, down South as well. So I did quite a lot of walking in the South Downs, Sussex, the Surrey Hills, um, exploring the salt marshes, getting, you know, all those kind of landscapes, um, mm. uh, uh, you know, so, yeah, so I think, um, you, you know, and I, I would say for myself I just I kind of just like being outdoors um I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a particularly sporty person or in mm. not so much into challenges now I'm kind of creeping toward you know it's like 
if I ever finish the Munros, it will be a lifetime project, you know, because I'm always mm. getting diverted into other things. Um, you know, I'm, I just like being outdoors. I'm uh, I've kind of bore David quite a lot with my allotment tales as well. I just like, you, you know, I've, I've got an allotment, so I enjoy yeah. doing that kind of thing, oh, just be, you yeah. know, being outside. And I'm sure as we get on to the, the whole cultural, the historical side of it, um, you, you know, in, in the Highlands in particular, um, you, you know, it's, I think the more you do it, I think it's almost, if you're that way inclined, you, you, you know, you can't help but notice uh, around the Highlands, um, Mm. I don't know how much I want to get into this moment, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of culture and a lot of history there, and and um, I like to read, I like to that, I enjoy that kind of thing. So I've got kind of very much into that that kind of side of things as well. So mm. yeah, I mean, in terms of my outdoors journey now, I don't think I've got it's more a kind of meandering path, just doing what I enjoy, mm. and <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't know if it's going anywhere in particular, but it's uh, the scenery is very nice, to. you know. So doesn't yeah, yeah it doesn't need to. I think that's the beauty of, yeah. of the outside is that it doesn't have to follow a particular you know journey as such it doesn't have to be uh, associated with a team or anything it's very personal um, which mm -hmm. sounds like it is to you um so thanks for that it's a really nice answer um david what about yourself uh kind of what a bit about yourself and your background and interest in the outdoors sure um <clears throat> quite different um to steph sorry i'm just going to take one of these out because it's just too weird hearing yourself in both ears isn't it? it's bad enough hearing yourself at all um so, um, yeah, quite different to Steph. Um, I came to the outdoors quite late, although I was a scout. Um, so I was a cub and a scout. And, and definitely um, the, the best bit of doing those kind of yeah, preteen activities was, was the camping when we went camping. That was the sort of the thing that, that definitely opened my eyes. So I, I grew up in, um, from, from pretty early on, uh, I, I wandered around as a, a, a we, we moved around a bit very young, but um, from about seven or eight, I was based in South London. Um, so I grew up there. And um, so anyway, it's quite a, a sort of urban stroke, suburban existence. Um, so apart from those occasional windows into sort of what life was like outside the, 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 the little city um, of Croydon, um, uh it, it it was um uh yeah it, it, you know occasional forays further afield camping um and uh yeah didn't really get in too involved i managed to managed to get myself to university but didn't, didn't really get too involved in it there apart from a bit of i was i was at leeds uh leeds uni and um so a little bit of kind of mooching around the moors um but you know didn't didn't join a, a hill club or a mountaineering club or anything like that and and I, I was a you know i was deeply into music and that was if you like my before i kind of came came to the hills um properly uh, you know as as i guess part of part of my work now um uh i was a i was a, a sort of a, a, a musician which is probably uh over that's probably a, that's that's probably gilding the lily a little bit much. I, I was a you know didn't didn't really wasn't hugely successful um, or, or anything. Um, managed to sort of uh, scrape by as a sort of a technician and um, uh, and that kind of thing. So and 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 then eventually retrained um, and uh, and became a, a what they call a community a community musician. I was I worked for an organisation called Community Music. Uh, in East London, East London, mm. and then ended up setting up a charity, um, and 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 that's that was all really great work and really interesting work for me. But um, uh, it was uh, you know it, it it's 
potentially a little bit sort of you know, it's kind of frontline teaching if you like a little bit so um mm. you're, you're working in community settings so um and we work with i work with refugees and in particular with um in partnership with the refugee council so um that and that work was like really rewarding but it was also quite stressful and i think at that point sort of mid-30s early mid-30s um definitely the hills became escaping to the mountains and certainly north wales from london was the kind of nearest sort of big mountain bolt hole if you like and that became more and more important um yeah so um and then uh you know first Fast forward to kind of here. So I live in the Cairngorms now. So I'm in, okay. in a little, in a, uh, a sort of medium-sized village called Kinusi, which is just south of Aviemore. Um, and, um, and yes, yeah, so I'm sort of surrounded by hills. And, and it's, yeah, it's quite a long way from, from it feels like a, a very long way from, from Croydon. And um, <laughs> yeah, sort of, way, yeah. Uh, sort of, uh, you know, terrace, terrace streets in, in South mm. London. So, yeah, so... Um, and and yeah, the, the hills and the woods and and um, and uh, you know I've kind of diverted a, a little bit into sort of I'm really into pack rafting, so I've kind of got more mm. and more into sort of river travel and and lake travel and um, and can kind of combine that with with the hill walking sometimes. And well, there's another that actually in the book, but um, and 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 a little bit of you know biking and cycling. So yeah, that's yeah, that's where we are now massively varied than what you do in terms of the outdoors is that the same for you Stefan as well you have quite a varied interest in the outdoors um yeah I think as as, uh, as I was saying I uh, I you know I just kind of like being outdoors I would say um walking a bit of scrambling um backpacking especially uh you, you know um I, I think probably in terms of variety it's the, the landscapes as well i mean I'm, I'm you know obviously i love the mountains um but where i live in edinburgh now i live out in the east of edinburgh and we've got access all along the coast out to what to north berwick um so coastal you know coastlines coastal walking that kind of thing um in terms of activities um Dave, david's always threatening to take me out in a pack raft so i expect that'll probably happen <laughs> at some point yeah. as well um i've done a bit of um Kayaking, uh, uh, sort of canoeing, you know, like that's the open mm. kind of uh, canoeing. Uh, um, that's actually I've done that quite a bit. You know, with the I've got two two uh, two daughters who you know our holidays mm. are always up in the Highlands as well. So yeah. um, right. uh, you know, to go out with them, um, we always end up going and doing a bit of um, canoeing as well. So that that's been that's been a good thing. You know, it's sort of um, Either on the sea, or if we've been up in the Cairngorms, up in Loch Morlich, and um, but uh, mm. uh, yeah, Dave, David's got quite heavily into the pack, pack rafting. I've not got there yet, but um, I that is possibly on the radar. I would say to do more of that. I do enjoy being out in the boats. So, mm. oh, wonderful. So um, you're on here today to talk about a new book, which um, has now arrived through my door, which is even better. So I've had a chance to sort of thumb through it rather than the PDF, which is um, Scottish Wild Country Backpacking. Now, um, actually, before we get to that, um, there's there's three authors off this book, one of whom isn't uh, here today, which is Peter Edwards. So um, in Peter's absence, um, can one of you fill in just a bit of background of Peter, if that's OK? <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel I feel it's uh, be rude not to. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just a, a like quick fire. The, the ghost, the fourth, the, the fourth. Yeah, the ghost of Peter. The empty chair. Great to have Peter here. Uh, no, definitely not holding it against him um, at all because uh, I think it was self Stefan who said he's kind of not uh, too comfortable with, with doing stuff like this, which is totally fine. I get that. Um, but yeah, um, kind of where's where's a uh, bit of Peter's background? Kind of what, so, what's he so into? Ni- neither of us have, have ever met Peter, but I, I first came have you across. Not? No, um, not in okay. the flesh. But I first came oh, okay. across. Um, I first came across Pete Edwards from he, he back in the sort of blogging days, sort of back in the sort of two thousand and sort of eights and tens and twelves. Um, he he had a he had a brilliant blog called Rights of Way, and I mean just straight away the you know right right as in writing, Rights of Way, and and just straight away you know it's a great title and and the the. The um the writing and the photography, but especially the writing was just really beautiful, and and it just immediately, that that's how I first came across him, and and um and uh, and you know he he's probably he, he well he, there's no probably about it in terms of the books he's the most prolific uh, he's more prolific than both of both Steph and I combined I think he's got six or seven or maybe more with um with Cicerone and then uh, and a bunch besides so um. He's a, he lives out um, he lives out pretty much most of the year now, as far as I can gather. He was he was split between Glasgow and and Harris um, in the Outer Hebs for, for for ages, but I think he's more and more based in, uh, uh, in Harris um, with his with his partner. So um, he's also a was also a writer, a journalist. So brilliant, thank you. Um, so how then did the book come together where did the idea for this book start i think it was um peter's idea originally um i i was sort of i'm maybe not the right person to talk because i was i was the last person on board but i think as i understand it was peter peter's idea originally um and i think as this potential the scale of the project became apparent with all his other projects on i think he kind of realized that doing it on it you know particularly as it's kind of covers you know, a huge area of Scotland. Um, I think he kind of uh, realised that he probably needs some help to do it. So I think he approached you first, David. Did um, uh, and then uh, and then between David is also really busy. So it's like, oh no, still Please still not going to be able to cover it <laughs> between two people. Yeah. So then um, David uh, has knows kind of my writing and stuff quite well and my interests. So he thought that I would probably be. Um, uh, a good person to bring on board probably a bit of a gamble from david and pete's point of view because it's the first ever guidebook that i've worked on so um <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, so uh, i'm sure I'm sure there was sleepless nights all around but um but, uh, <laughs> but, um, so so then i i came i mean obviously i was you know i pretty much bit david and pete's hands off to get involved because it's such an exciting project um uh yeah and then 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 we we, we took it from there we won't go until the boring contract negotiations with Cicerone and so forth. No, we'll, we'll gloss past that. But um, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess I'm interested to know then um, what is involved in putting a guidebook together, um, especially with sort of three of you doing it. So, it's, you know, there's the, 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 not just the opinions and thoughts of just one person as the book goes together and the publisher, but there's also three of you with kind of, I guess, three different ideas about this and, and, and three different, Kind of potentially di- directions that this could go in. So, how how did that play out? How how did you kind of all work together to make this a reality? 
um, including the, the sort of boring bits, I guess, and the fun bits of getting out, getting your boots on the ground and actually walking the routes. I mean, there's, I don't know, there's, there's sort of, I guess there's probably a few, a few questions or, or answers there, but um, I, I think um, part of any potential, you know, I mean, uh, uh, any potential kind of conflicts of direction or, or kind of, you know, divergences, potential divergences are, are sort of solved if you pick the right people, you know, and I, I don't mean that, you know, wow, we, how amazing are we three? But um, I guess pick pick people who have similar, broadly similar sort of outlooks and interests. So I guess perhaps Pete, um, you know, Pete approached myself and, you know, because I, I guess, you know, we, we both appreciated each other's um, approach. And, and and then I sort of suggested um, Steph because I, you know, I, I really rated what Steph was doing and, 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 his approach and, and and you know Steph and I were you know I'd walked together a lot by then and, and spent a lot of time together and and so you kind of I guess there's an affinity in terms of you know outlook broad, broadly speaking I mean you know obviously there's, there's differences as well and the differences are, are good you know that's the other thing is that then we get into so so they so there's the idea that you know um where we're kind of broadly speaking singing from a similar hymn sheet but then there's the idea that, and, and Steph and I have both said this, and I think, uh, you know, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn when I say, um, you know, I think this is a, and I think we've said this before, you know, that it, this is a better book because there's three people on board rather than just being, it's a single vision, if you like, you know, I think that kind of, um, that sort of, um, yeah, auteur version of, of creativity is maybe a bit overrated sometimes. Um, and actually collaborations are really, I, I really enjoy it. I really think it's a really healthy thing um and and there's definitely things that you know i mean Pete, pete's knowledge of the 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 hebrides and sort of coastal walking in particular i think i mean you know i'm i'm i could walk for the rest of my life and just walk coastlines and i wouldn't i'd still not know as much as he knows um mm. so he's got that expertise and and then i guess you know stefan and i bring sort of you know a, you know different things to the table as well so um so so it sort of becomes a you know, hopefully you get a mix of, of different skills and experiences and, and outlooks and then you can and um and then certainly in terms of writing the introductory chapter, which I guess is the sort of I mean quite often in, in guidebooks I think that's the bit that you sort of I, I quite often flick past that to get to the meat of the stuff. And actually but then looking looking through this I sort of hope that we've managed to avoid that and I mean I, I, I when I got my copy my real physical copy a bit like yourself you know looking at the pdf looking at the um the sort of rough notes for you know three years basically and then you get your own paper copy and it's suddenly real and then I and I did leaf through the, it took me a couple of days to do it but it did leaf through the the the, the, the beginning chapter and I thought well actually this is this it's got a bit of substance to it this and and that's a combination of you know we didn't Pete didn't write it or I didn't write it or Steph didn't write that. We all wrote sections from that and we all kind of worked out between us. We had a spreadsheet and we worked out, you yeah. know, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Which, what, what speaks to your, to your own, um, to, you know, the, the sections that speak to your strengths, I guess, or your interests. Um, so, you know, Steph was, was interested to do the geology section and the access section. And I was interested to speak about sort of, you know, I guess the, you know, the reason why it's, why it might, we might be not using the word wilderness and using the world, words wild country instead, you know, so, and, 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 um, and, uh, uh, Pete had 
you know a lot of good good meaty stuff on on the sort of wildlife side of things so you know it kind of it, it works out and you hopefully you get something that's again another cliche but something that's hopefully a bit bit more than the sum of its parts you know so um good in sections why did you then use the word wild country rather than wilderness or just scottish backpacking what was the reason of the use wild country shall i um shall i continue steph and then you chip in is that all right well as it's yeah as it was um your, your section why <laughs> um, yeah well i'll just be really honest and say that originally it was called scottish wilderness backpacking i don't hopefully cicero won't ring me up tomorrow morning and say why did you tell them that um so originally uh, uh originally uh uh that was the that was the kind of, if you like, the the provisional title, um, and and I guess uh, as I think probably over, it's fair to say that over the last sort of five years, in particular, there's more and more awareness about, or more more awareness certainly in sort of in general, but in particular in Scotland about um, about around these issues of sort of wildness and the sort of terminology, if you like the semantics of, of, of these words and about how some, in some ways the, you know, the term wilderness is, is perhaps not quite so helpful. Um, and so I kind of, at some point I did sort of, um, you know, I, I, I did sort of, uh, I can't remember if it was an email or a phone call or whatever, but I, at some point I did sort of say to, you know, Stefan and, and, and Pete, and then, you know, then we expanded it to include Cicero and I just sort of say, you know, I don't want to be the, the sort of, you know, the party pooper here, you know, sort of, but, um, but, you know, have we thought about, I mean, I didn't, have, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what else we could call it at that point, but it was, you know, have we thought about what this title, you know, is this title problematic? Um, and so that's the, if you like, and then we had a whole discussion and to be, and to their credit, um, once we kind of, explain why we thought it might be and perhaps I'll, I'll hand over to Steph in a minute and, and let him talk about the sort of why this might be why this might be the case but to their credits um, Cicerone did listen um, and so we've ended up with a title that is you know is in a way is a sort of a, a, a it's perhaps something that does need a bit of explaining to the to the novice you know to to, to the novice reader or the novice somebody's coming to this to the subject afresh but hopefully it's something that's a bit more culturally sensitive. That's my feeling anyway. So I'll stop talking now. Yeah, um, I hope I'm picking up your cue correctly, David. But um, I, I mean, I was going to say something just about a bit more detail about why not the world wilderness, yeah. why wild country yeah. instead. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so, 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 I mean, I think the term, I mean, basically, uh, I think there's a lot more awareness now, and I think I think in the Highlands there's there's kind of um, there's a lot more of a voice now, and and um, I, you know, I, I suppose uh, you know hill you know kind of visiting the Highlands and to, tourism and hill walking and all that has become kind of really uh, very popular, um, and particularly from people coming outside Scotland and so on, and probably like a lot of people within Scotland, you know, who don't don't live in the Highlands. But um, I think the the, the words uh, wilderness suggests something that is kind of pristine and untouched, and and uh, people don't live there and have never lived there and haven't shaped it at all, and and, and so forth. And and it's a it's a word that's really, uh, I guess, you, you know, it's 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 sort of in a way, it, you know, you. 
if you think of like the conservation movement in the US, you know, that was very, you know, and they've got their own concept of wilderness, um, which again is really controversial over there as well, I, I think, you know, but, it's, but um, it, you know, it kind of suggests a lack of human interaction and involvement um, with the landscape. But obviously in the US, you know, obviously the, the people living there and shaping the landscape in ways that that to us aren't really kind of obvious uh, you know um immediately um uh, and in Scotland as well i mean if you do a lot of the routes in the book you'll you'll pass loads of ruined villages and shealings and evidence of um where agriculture used to be practiced um so you can't help but get a sense that there were at some at one point many years you know a long time ago a lot of people living in the highlands and and there was a population there and some of their descendants still live there and have a very keen sense of um you, you know these you know this isn't a wilderness. This is an em- a landscape that's actually been emptied, you know. So, um, and I'm sure most listeners will have at least heard of, uh, you know, the Highland clearances, um, you, you know, and, and and the way that, uh, you know, post, you know, kind of after the the final kind of Jacobite uprising, that was really when Gallic culture, um, that kind of, uh, in, I say indigenous. That's another word. <laughs> Won't kind of get, you know, that can be tricky, but you know, that kind of indigenous Gallic culture began to be dismantled effectively and that's when uh, you know land the, the, the kind of clan chiefs um began to turn rather than you know they lost that kind of bond with their people and were becoming more in, into the, the the london-centric kind of orbit you know the new uk kind yeah. of orbit you know so that bond was breaking um people you know so so then um they were using their land in different ways they were clearing people off the land to put sheep on it and then you had deer stockings you had your massive deer stocking estates and to that to this day you still have that culture where incredibly rich people pay vast amounts of money to shoot grouse or shoot deer and so forth um so you know there's that whole kind of uh you know very kind of um uh you know, quite, quite, quite a kind of uh, a, a dark history behind it, um, uh, and, and I suppose for some people, you, you know, if that's kind of not honoured, and and we kind of just think of it as a wilderness, as just somewhere that is empty and has always been empty, and that's the, you know, that's the way it should be. Um, you, you, you know, that you know, and I think people are becoming more aware now that that you can't that, that you, you know you have to kind of honor that honor that sort of history so i guess that's what we've we've we've, we've tried to do and 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 we've tried to head that off um you know not not just to kind of to spare cicerones or our blushes but because we genuinely believe that you, you know you should be kind of um looking you, you know kind of you, you know we should be kind of encouraging um and you, you know a kind of greater awareness of the landscapes that we enjoy and, and uh, you, you know and so on um so that's really yeah so i think that's really where, where we were kind of coming from with that and then you know there's also this this the kind of human kind of aspect of it and there's also um you know kind of overlapping with the environmental side of it obviously um it's the landscape that you know we've got uh you know we've lost apex predators and so on we have um because deer are managed to be shot we've got a vast kind of um numbers of deer and um we've lost scotland's lost a lot of tree cover so it doesn't kind of it, you know it, it doesn't look the way it would if it was a kind of true wilderness you know or it would have done you know thousands of years ago before forests were cleared and so on so um 
yeah, so I hope that's slightly rambling no, answer, but I think that I hope that kind of gives you an idea of hmm. what you know why we kind of really want to you know that and and I mean the more we thought about it, I think the more important it seemed, and we, we couldn't really kind of we, we could just kind of leave. Steph and I are more you know. kind of egging each other on on this kind of stuff as well. I think to be fair, um, I think what's interesting about this, Matthew, is that like you know I mean um, I I you know grew up in the south and then moved north, or, and they've got family connections up here, but they are kind of quite you know those family connections are quite remote in a way um but when you when you come to um the highlands um and you come from a very urban sort of populated densely populated place and you you have you have your first experiences you know backpacking through some of the places that are, you know uh, maybe in the book or the, you know elsewhere um it, it does you know they they do make i mean and, and i'm assuming that you know that's the kind of reasons some of these reasons will be the reasons why you've been inspired to produce a podcast because you you know these these places are all um they are um immersive aren't they you have an immersive experience and and the fact that you know part of that is to do with kind of you know perhaps to do with solitude and to do with self-sufficiency as steph has said and and um and and you know suddenly you're immersed in what feels like a very nature rich experience whether it's all natural or not is a different matter but you know it feels in comparison to relative to your kind of you know and, and certainly that was the case for me i had a you know almost you kind of have these sort of epiphanies you know and it can feel like you know oh, I'm, I'm the first one to have all these thoughts you know and of course that's that's ridiculous but but that's how you know that's that can be how it feels um, yeah it still feels very original to yourself doesn't it when you yeah asking. yeah absolutely and then and then of course and then so 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 that's there on the one hand and those feelings are, are, are real and, and they're valuable you know they're because they open us up to new experiences but then I guess as we as we sort of learn and you you continue to do your walking journey or your backpacking journey or whatever it is your paddling climbing journey um yeah I guess what's interesting is you start to sort of you know see the same things over and over again and and so it's and that's sort of what's interesting and what was interesting to pull out and to, you know, it sort of influenced out. I think it started to influence the root choice for the book is that you kind of go, right, well, you know, we, we keep on seeing the same sorts of things. I mean, what are these ruins? Why are they? And so it's a sort of a vehicle for curiosity, really. So that's that's what I really like about backpacking. I, that's why I especially like about it is that it sort of begs questions because you kind of keep on bumping up against the same things. And some of those things aren't anything to do with you. They're to do with you know the wider world and so rather than just sort of shut those things off and say it's all about me and my wonderful epiphanies about how you know or about my kind of you know I struggled and I vanquished the mountain all this conquering kind of uh, kind of a colonial colonialist yeah. kind of a, approach really. oh, 100%. it's very old-fashioned yeah. um, mm -hmm. and so you know as, as Steph has said you start to realize things about the, the environment or you start to realize things about how the kind of the, the human uh, the natural history and the human and the cultural history has shaped the environment that you're walking through, and so it sort of becomes a vehicle for learning. Um, and and definitely, you know, that started to sort of impact on the way that, it, that certainly some of the root choices, and the, especially for me, the later root choices. And you sort of, if, if you like, I started to want to sort of look for excuses to go through places on the way into the mountains or out of the mountains that would allow us to talk about specific cultural or environmental issues. I mean, I'm not laid a lot on too thick, I hope, you know, hopefully we yeah. haven't done that, but, you know, certainly, mm. and it sort of becomes a way of then, all oh, right, yeah, that, that's, that's why that's like that, or, you know, that's, or that might be one 
interpretation of why that's like that and just allow people to engage with it. I mean, how did you balance up the um, these routes in terms of condensing them down then so much? Because with anything like this, you probably could have filled a guidebook with four of these routes if you'd gone into that level of detail um, in regards to uh, perhaps some of the environmental issues or some of the, uh, the the local history or geology of those particular specific routes. How did you sort of condense that down and sort of stay very focused on delivering the guidebook in the format it was? Was that was that an issue at all for you to try and do that, or what did it did it come quite easy? Yeah, I, th- I think um, well, a, a lot of you know the discussion we're having there to do you know to do with wilderness versus wild country um, and things like geology and so on. You know, we we did as David's explained. We you know we did have I covered a lot of that in introduction, and and um, I think made a you know like a you know, very kind of quite a, a unique and very readable and interesting I'd introduction that, yeah. um, uh, for, with that. Um, within the routes themselves, I mean, I guess, you know, we had the usual restrictions of, of word counts and so on, but we've tried um, within uh, the routes, I'm just looking at one of my ones actually, um, for example, this one of the routes is a walk over the hills from Blair Athol to Kingusie. So within that one, that route passes through a, a kind of a ruined township that was in Glen Tilt that was cleared in the 1830s I think so you know we've got in in there we mentioned we passed through it then we've got a little box just with a little you know kind of little potted history of what this place is because you will notice it when you go past it and you'll you'll see it and you'll notice an environment uh, an atmosphere is you know without getting too mystical about it you do sometimes notice an atmosphere in these places as well there's something that tells you that it's been lived in so you know we've we've, we've done we've, we've done that throughout and you know we've got points of interest um uh you know i, I think in uh, all uh most if not all of the routes um where where we kind of bring out those things and echo some of those themes that we, we've, we've talked about at more at more length in the in the introduction um so yeah i think that's that is in terms of the sort of actual structure i think so you know and and you know uh, you know it has to be said this wasn't just sort of steph um peter and i sort of pushing uh, this was also Cicerone feeding back and saying, actually, could we have that one at uh, quite a late stage? Actually, they said, actually, could we have some more of that kind of material? And they did actually come back to us and say, could we have some? And and I think there's sort of there's a sort of points of interest stuff that, that Steph's mentioned where you kind of get almost like a paragraph on a on a, a point, you know, a, a thing that you might be passing. But then there's also sort of um, almost like sort of half page or or full column sidebars within some of the routes where you talk about something that you know like I'm again I'm you know I'm just drawing on one of the ones that I contributed because I can remember it is um there's a, a route if you like it's one of the more classic routes in the book which is over sort of fisher fields and mountains um and there's a whole section on on I guess sort of Celtic mythology so and again obviously you know there's there's been there's been PhDs and countless books, whole books written on this subject. So I mean, obviously we haven't got that level of detail, but I guess um, one of the nice things about guidebooks, I think, is um, is that you don't, and, and, this, and there's an art in this as well, when you're describing the, the route, mm. if something's over-described, that can kind of kill the experience. So, um, and I'm not saying we've got this you know, we, you know, I always get it right or anything like that. But but there's a, there's a sort of an art to brevity, isn't there? And and I certainly haven't got it in conversation. But um, 
and and so one of the nice things about a a, a well written guidebook is that it can it, it signposts so and and that then allows the reader to kind of go oh actually I, I found that bit really interesting and when I was there I kind of felt like you know I was I, I wanted to find out more after I come back and then of course they can go and you know we've got the internet it's an amazing resource so people can then just deep dive into that particular area so hopefully you just sort of you kind of drop seeds. And and it, you know either slightly larger or slightly more or slightly smaller seeds depending on what we've got room for and then and then I'll, you know trust the reader to you know trust the reader to, you know people aren't fools you know they'll they'll go and especially if they're you know on some of these routes they're going to go and go back and kind of go actually that was that was super interesting that bit I'm going to go and just dig you know go and dig around and and find and, and learn more myself. You know. Fantastic. Thank you for that answer. Um, I've got a question in regards to the actual finding of the routes themselves. So where that initial in, um, initial inspiration, sorry, for the routes came from. So um, I guess the question is, did you already know of the routes and have you ha- had you kind of visited those particular places prior or were you kind of staring at a blank map and going, well, that looks curious there. Let's kind of zoom in on an OS map and see what's there and see if we can make a route out of that. Where does that process begin? Well, I, th- I think, um, you know, because all, all of us have been backpacking for years, I think we already probably had a, quite a number of routes that were almost, you, you know, we could take off the shelf mm. in, in a way, um, you, you know, that, that, that we'd done um, or, you know, Sometimes maybe we revisit for a bit of extra photography or so on, but um, uh, I, you, you know, I've, I'm sort of second guessing. I'm not I'm second guessing Pete here a bit. I'm not sure, but I'm, but uh, you, you know, I mean, I think for me when I was invited to do it, you know, I kind of immediately thought uh, of you know a number of things that I'd done already, which would be absolutely ideal for it. Because um, I, I think my, originally, I think we had a bit of a we had quite a long sort of almost brainstorming email back and forth didn't we David you know where we were kind of um, working on we had a spreadsheet a working spreadsheet of routes so we fired in a lot of things that we'd already done and obviously being you know very keen on it anyway I think we all had a fairly long list of ideas of places where we we would like to visit Um, so I think the uh, one of the challenges I think was um, uh, well I think there was a bit of a thing about where about in Scotland we wanted to to do to, to do that so uh we i mean you you'll notice that it's it's really you know it's kind of the wildest areas of Scotland that we you know so it's kind of a, a few routes around the Cairngorms but mostly islands and up up, up in the west coast and the northwest um so we kind of nailed down exactly what what kind of area um areas that we wanted to go to uh so and I think we had a little bit of a debate about whether places like um, Galloway Forest Park, you know, down in southwest Scotland, where that, that would fit the bill. But I think we had we had a kind of um, not a kind of uh, quite hard to put into words, but we had that kind of very clear, you know, in the end, of, in the end, we had a, you know, I think Pete certainly had quite a clear idea about where he wanted the routes to be. So that, that was sort of the first challenge. Um, and then within that, it was kind of getting a, getting a kind of spread of routes. Um, and I think that's where the uh, the collaboration kind of really came into its own as well. Because um, I think Pete, Pete's obviously he was an island fanatic, you know, he was very kind of heavily focused on the islands. And I think one of our first comments was, you know, when we first looked at the mooted kind of plan of, of routes was, oh, this is, this is quite, you know, 
great routes, but they're very concentrated in certain areas and on the islands. So I think, um, I know from my perspective, uh, I was able to pull things eastwards a bit. And, um, you know, because I know the Cairngorms and there was the, uh, I'm pretty obsessed with all that country between Blair Athol and King Usi. I've dragged David over there recently on uh, on, on uh, an old medieval track um, over there. And I've been backwards and forwards. So, uh, you know, and so managed to get that in, pulled it a bit eastwards. You know, David's obviously um, done a lot of different things around the Cairngorms where, you know, where he lives um, and things, you know, maybe of slightly more out of Pete's orbit, you know, like Glen Affric, for example, Ben Alder was one of mm. your ones, I think David, Ben Alder Ridges. Um, so yeah, so it's through that collaboration that we, we managed to kind of nail down, not, you know, where we wanted to do the routes, but also um, just get that kind of spread, you know, um, so we, you know, we ended up with, um, if you look at the chapters, it's a very kind of balanced uh, spread between the kind of different areas of the highlands um, as well. Yeah, it's nice to, uh, I started to think about, as as that sort of progressed a bit, I started to think about, um, because because the tendency is to kind of, you know, because, because it's called, you know, because it was the sort of the wildest bits, whether it's called wilderness or wild country, you start to think about, you know, you start to, you know, the, the pull is north and west. Um, but then you sort of think, well, you know, what if I'm coming up from the central belt or maybe even further south? Maybe I'm coming up from the south of England on a sleeper. And, you know, how can I get how can I dip my toe if I've only got a long weekend, you know, or, or you know. And so then you start to think about, you know, we started to put, you know, like Steph's got a great route that I, I walked with him and a friend um, from, you know, out from Fort William. Um, and so from Fort William to Glenfinnan, and then there's another one that's yep. very nearby that that's that's even even quicker. You can effectively you can do it as an overnighter, um, but you can still get a kind of a real mini adventure if you like. Um, and then and you know and these are doable by train. Um, and then there's another one, the Ben Alder one that Steph just mentioned. Again, you can do that by train. You know, so um, how can you? So so once you've you've kind of you've got your template of kind of okay we want to do some really out there remote wild whatever we're calling it stuff but then okay well let's not make it so inaccessible let's hopefully try and drop a few things in there you know and there's some stuff in the northwest as well that's accessible by train we've we've only just I think kind of pinned down that a pro, a, between a third and a half of the routes are accessible by public transport so. That's one of the things that jumped out to me with the guidebook. I mean, I, I can't remember which route it was now. I should, I should have written it down. But um, you mentioned um, putting a bike in a quarry, sort of, so to make the return easier on the route back, to, uh, on the way back, um, I think, because it was sort of either a long road or gravel track, essentially. Um, and that really struck me as um, a book that's trying to make hiking, walking in Scotland accessible despite the fact that it you know can come across as quite an inaccessible place and hard to reach for public transport links um, and I noticed a lot of, um, a lot if not all of the routes are circular as well so you know you can you're always going to end up back where you started which is really helpful um was that sort of an intentional decision to to do that and also to keep the miles generally doable because I noticed there's not you know not sort of 20 mile days in there but the you know the mileage is sort of no no more than about 10 miles a day um if that was that an intentional decision by all of you to make it like that what would you say steph i mean i'm sort of wondering if that's just because we're gentlemen of a certain age 
And not, <laughs> yeah, not, not criticism, I should add. It's, uh, I think it's yeah. very nice to. I, I was actually very glad that you had done it in that particular way because it just makes it more accessible. I, I, yeah. I think the other thing, just the, the thing well, that I'm a oh, sorry, Steph, I'll, I'll let you. I'll pass over to you in a sec. But, but um, I get one of the things that's probably worth saying about that is that you know quite a lot of these routes are, are off path, so they're off trail. Um, and that really slows you down, really, you know, and in some, I mean, in some, I mean, I don't want to overstate that because, you know, some, in some case, I mean, there's one, one of the routes that I, you know, that I looked at for, um, goes over a, a few Grahams. So Grahams are even smaller than Corbett's. They're not tall hills, but, and you, and, and you start on a, a thing called the Posty Path, which is, you know, has a whole bunch of cultural history around it. It's, you know, I found really interesting, but to be honest, like that's, that's, um it, you might as well not be on a path it's it's pretty kind of it's a pretty um robust it's pretty robust walking that so especially in the late summer when i did it you know because the bracken's up and and, and uh, all the foliage is there so um and and so even though the mountains were small and you and i was supposedly on a path for at least some of it that's that route still took two and a half days now you could probably do it quicker but um uh, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, try and try and be sort of realistic. And, and I guess there's, there's pressure as well from, uh, there's a sort of a, a pressure to make these things um, understandable on the one hand, you know, so I have uh, recognised start and finish points for each day. But then because, you know, it's it's a book about backpacking and we are wild camping, um, we don't, I, I do, you know, you, you don't want to dictate where people are camping because then you'll get camping hotspots and that's, you know, that's not a good, a good idea either. So, so there's a, there's a, there was a little bit of backwards and forwards with some of the, you know, one or two of the editors that Cicerone uses to, you know, once the material goes in and of course, you know, their, their pull, if you like, will be to make things concise and legible and understandable for the reader, which is totally, you know, of course, that's what we all want to do. But at the same time, you, you don't want to be, um, too dictatorial about that kind of stuff because of the type of terrain and the type of book that it is and, and yeah so on yeah the camping one was interesting just as an aside because um that was yeah because as david says you don't want to create camping hotspots but at the same time you don't want to leave your reader like in the middle of a peat bog at the end of the day so you've got to kind of um you, you know uh, not dictate where they're where they're going to camp but not put them somewhere where it's going to be really difficult to find somewhere to camp mm -hmm. you know um so for example in one of my routes it, the finishing point for one of the days is right on top of a mountain you might think that's odd but when you're up there when you look down from it you'll see there's a big nice grassy plateau and there's lots of places where you can camp you know for example um so um yeah i, I mean i think as David says, uh, uh, the other, you know, there's terrain. There's also ascent as well, you know, um, which we factored in. Some of the the routes have got uh, pretty hefty kind of um, uh, amounts of climbing in them too, you know, and particularly with a big backpack. Um, and I think the other thing as well is, I, I think, you know, certainly from my point of view, I think as I said at the beginning, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a sports person, so, I, and I'm sort of assuming that most people do are going to have a reasonable level of fitness, but you don't, you don't want to make it an ordeal, you know, um, and 
Uh, like, I've been through all my mistakes at a younger age of completely overestimating what I can do. So we've all been there. <laughs> don't, you know. So yeah, yeah. So there's a yeah. question, isn't there, about like who are we who who are we making these things for? You mm. know, like mm. if you, if we that's very much the question. Who is who and who is this guidebook for as well? That's probably going to be my other question. Okay. So I'll let you kind of intersect yeah. into that as well. But you know, like if we look on Instagram, then there's this sort of you know, or, or kind of your social media in general. I don't have to pick out yeah. Instagram, but then you know, there's a sort of um, you know the ideal outdoors man or woman um you know and and you know are, are, is everyone kind of 23 and stick thin and really muscular and well no not everyone is and actually that might not be the best yeah. body type anyway you know for, for 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 pulling a big pack over you know sort of um lumps and bumps for several days at a time you know so um i'm i'm, I'm not knocking it either way i'm just sort of you know it, it's um it's quite easy to sort of get sucked into all that and then think that, oh, I'm not the kind of person that fits that that mould and therefore I, this this book isn't for me or, or that lifestyle isn't for me or those that recreational, that hobby isn't for me. And actually, you know, it's great that there's more people out there of all shapes and sizes, creating colours that are doing this stuff. You know, that's, that is one of the useful things, I think, that's come out of the pandemic, certainly. So um, is oh, that people yeah. feel a bit more... You know they've got permission to do it, and so on the one hand we've made a book about wild country, but you you, you know going containing back to your earlier point about kind of you know uh, sneaky bikes in quarries or whatever, and 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 trains to places. Um, you know, um, it, you know it's fun out here. Let, you know, let's let's get people on board and 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 um, invite people in. You know, I think we think we even say that in in one of, in the introduction. You know, come on, come on in the waters deep deep dark and lovely or something like that you know so um it's it's exciting but it's also and uh, you know it's a little bit intimidating at times but it's also fun so yeah mm-hmm. um, a, a quick intersection then um david because uh, you you kind of alluded to the you know how the pandemic and more people accessing the outdoors have you got any insight i know i have um, but have you got any insight as to how you've seen the sort of outdoor landscape and the, the, the in, how people interact with it over the past few years, in particular, uh, you know, with with visitors to Scotland, have you ever, have you seen any difference with that in the last couple of years, post pandemic? So certainly, um, you know, uh, so we've lived in the Cairngorms for for five years, and um, I mean, during the first lockdown, it was, I mean, you know, we felt very very blessed to be here because we had that amazing spring weather, um, and of course, oh, yeah. you, you could hear a pin drop, you know, so. Um, it was very quiet, and and um, and and, a, and a, if you're going to have this horrible thing happen to the planet, then that was one of the better places to be, I think. So, um, and then there was the sort of um, after the after the sort of if you like the, the the dearth of people, the famine of people. There was the feast of people the year after, and, and certainly the Highlands didn't have um, the infrastructure to to cope. So there was a massive sort of um, rebound. And a lot of, you know, there were, there were some, you know, where, there, you know, you did see fire circles pop up left, right and centre. And you did see, unfortunately, you did see, you know, toilet paper pop up and, and that kind of thing. So if, that, if that's the kind of thing you mean. So, and there were more people around because, of course, people could only travel in the UK for a while if they could travel at all. Um, 
so on and then of course you get a big a big backlash amongst the outdoor community because they start mm. they can because we're very kind of if you like we're we're quite good at sort of self-policing <laughs> um yeah, yeah. or or but but that can feel very um quite quickly becomes a really sort of um finger waggy if you like i think anyway i, I I'm, I'm not very comfortable with much of that um so and and anyway thankfully it did settle down i think to be fair um scott the scottish government and 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 highland councils did put more and, and the national parks did put more money into sort of you know having more rangers on the ground and that kind of thing and of course people did um then start to travel more widely and and um so the pressure's eased for a number of reasons. Um, so, and I think, you know, there's definitely been work done in education and just trying to, I guess, there's been a, there's been a period of catch up, I think, like where, where kind of, um, you know, perhaps outlet, outlets like yourself or, or um, you know, some of the magazines have kind of gone, actually, well, are we, are we just talking to experts here? People have been doing it for 20, 30 years or, you know, are we, are we a broad church? Can we, can we open our arms and try and give people who haven't done this stuff before a bit of a clue? Cause if you don't know, you don't know, do you? So, um, mm. yeah, mm. I don't know if that answers no. your question. No, no, it certainly does. It's a, it's a really good answer to that question. Um, so, um, this brings me on to, um, another question, um, unrelated. So you've obviously both researched and walked a number of routes and had a, no doubt a fantastic time putting this guidebook together. I am, of course, interested to hear your top pick or one pick each of a route that particularly stood out at you, which is in the, the guidebook. Um, Stefan, have you got anything that uh, comes to mind? Ooh, um... If you're on the spot, you can uh, you can pass the buck to David, who might uh, have something. Does it? Does it have to be one of my own? Uh, or, to be honest, or it can, yeah, it could be if you've, if you've, I'm assuming you've walked some together as well. So it can be any really in the, in the, in, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, oh gosh, how do you answer this? Um, that probably the one I enjoyed doing the most was, um, uh, it was sort of a big tour of the Northeast Cairngorms. Um, so this was as a slightly unique route in the book in that it doesn't take in any summits at all. So um, it's starting and finishing at Tom and Towel and going in a big circuit into the Cairngorms. Um, uh, I think um, I probably enjoyed that. I mean, I probably have some very personal reasons for enjoying that because it was all places that I've, you know, that I, you know, from when I was very young, I used to visit, and then it was kind of going and tying them all together in this 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 big kind of circuit around the Cairngorms. Um, yeah, for kind of a lot of personal reasons, that that route round uh, the Cairngorms was great, and I think it also um, it, it, it knitted together so many different landscapes. So there was the the Alnac Gorge, which is a big glacial meltwater channel that's really off the beaten track. Um, uh, it goes from Tom and Towel up into the Cairngorms. So it took in that bits of Abernethy forest that are much less visited than, than other parts. Um, uh, it, it went through um, a number of kind of little passes where not some of the better known passes in the Cairngorms, you know, little glacial breaches mm. that cut between different glens. Um, so, uh, and it was just a real sense of kind of a journey. And, and it was also because we spent so much time toiling up mountains and so on it was i think it's the one route in the book where you know i was pushing maybe getting up towards 20 miles a day you know because it was just nice paths and, and walking through so it's just quite a different experience um and contrast to some of the other routes um i mean that's really hard i mean there's, there's, there's so many others i mean i would say uh looking at other people's routes that 
I haven't done. Uh, I mean, that's one of the great things about the book is that there's things that David and Pete did that I wasn't involved with, and and, and vice versa. Yeah. You know, and you look at that and think, wow, that that you know, I'm, this is actually this isn't just a kind of guidebook to sort of show off to my mum and dad or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm actually going to use this and and um, you know, you do some of these routes. So there's the west coast of Jura in particular looks just phenomenal, um, and Dave's route, uh, the Afric the Afric Holt route, which is linking together all these big massive ridges um, around the Afric Mountains which was actually slightly miffed about because I came up completely independently of David a very similar route a few years ago <laughs> and then he went and next he went and did it first but I'm really looking forward to doing yeah. that one as well so yeah <laughs> and what about yourself David any yeah I mean I, I, route, I, I, route I was actually I mean I'd, I'd definitely second that um thought in that it's um that there are routes in the book that I aspire to do you know that, that that obviously that I, I wasn't involved in. Um, you know some some of the walking Steph and I did together. So there's quite a few of the routes that Steph and I walked together. But um, but yeah, it's it's a book that uh, as a bit like Steph, you know, I, I will use and and um, and certainly yeah that 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 west coast of Jura route of Pete's is high on my list. I, I I've I've loved um, you know Pete Pete did a one of his um, he's done this big round of um around rum which i don't think is in our book but it's in one of his others and you can kind of you know you, you kind of literally walk the perimeter of the isle of, isle of rum um which mm. is and, I, and you know i followed that and that was a fantastic route so um in terms of uh I, if i had to pick one in the in the book um I, I yeah i had a blast putting some of these together so um and particularly a bit like steph said early on um there were a few things that, if you like, I pulled off the shelf, things I've done already. But there were three or four things that, you know, especially towards the end, where you know, um, that I guess were de- were devised specifically for this. Um, uh, and I mean, that the one that Steph just mentioned, the, the Afric Afric Hort route, I think we ended up calling it. Um, that was really, really good fun. Um, perhaps the one I'll mention um, in this context is um, there's a, a route that I, I did, which was I was always curious about whether they would go, whether whether the route would go. So there's three corbits in the north of Torridon, and there's a sort of a, there's a bit over the back of Torridon called Flowerdale Forest. Um, so and what you would normally do with Torridon is you would go in from the road from the south, and you know that's where the kind of Leotak and uh, Ben, Ben A and Ben Allegan are they're kind of, you know, those the sort of the three sort of big ones that people go in. And, and those are, that's an amazing area. But of course, it's in a way, you know, we kind of don't need to tackle that because there's so much else out there that, you know, people can read about that. So I thought, well, and so anyway, so there's three Corbett's in, in the north to the north of that whole area. And I thought, well, can you link those three? Um, and it turns out you can, but it was I didn't know that you could do it. So you kind of use the book as an excuse to go and find out, really. Um and and they're you know they're they're amazing hills and and the, and the ground's amazing and and you get to again visit from some pay a visit to some both some environmental and some uh, cultural history on the way and there's actually well, there's actually some really good interpretation of the that that estate is done on the ground so it sort of it ticks a lot of boxes that one um, and I had a, a real adventure and and and. Um, and it, it's really it's it's a tough route. Um, I lost a toenail in the process. Um, oh, wow! So um, uh, and so it kind of ticked. It ticked all the boxes. You know, I had a, had an adventure. I I I had an adventure. I didn't know if it would if it, if it would work. Um, and it was physically tough. You know, it was physically demanding. 
Um, it's a short, sharp route, um, and and the mm. scenery is absolutely world class. So you know, and and I had good weather, so that was also good. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for that answer. Um, one other thing I did pick up in the guide, because uh, a bit where you mentioned the differences that you all have in gear. Now, I don't often go into outdoor gear on the podcast because I think it's a very overly trodden subject. But in the spirit of inclusivity and the the, the gentleness to this guidebook that, that I'm getting from it, um, I'm kind of interested to ask the question, what are the kind of differences between the way you carry kit and the way you camp and things like that? Because I guess I want to portray the idea that there are more than one, just one way to do things. It doesn't have to be the sort of the way you see somebody do something on Instagram or the way that an outdoor brand tells you you should do something. Are there any kind of obvious differences in the way that you both use kits, the way you camp, anything like that? Yeah, um, I think we're David and I are both fans of uh, using a tarp, um, tarp and bivy bag approach. Um I guess you know I was probably influenced by David to give it a go, mm. having seen his his sort of setup, yeah. um, uh, and I think that um, I probably like a little bit more comfort inside. Sort of, sort of maybe you sound like a Spartan, Dave. But I probably appreciate a little bit more comfort than you do inside. I quite like to have a you know like a bug net yeah. and, and a ground sheet to make it a little bit more like a tent. Mm. Um, I find I can find the bivy bag a bit claustrophobic. Um, although I probably would still go with it in winter, um, but yeah, we're both sort of tarp aficionados, and and um, it's I think a lot of people find the tarp, you know, because obviously it's single skin, you, you know, you, the wind can come under the the sides, and it's much more kind of open, um, and you don't have that kind of closed in feeling like you do in a tent, which some people find, um, you know, quite they, they really want, quite want to be quite comforting. Um, but I think the the thing I found with the tarp is that. Um, you know, you may feel, oh gosh, it's quite exposed. But if you're camping, well, for one thing, um, some of the tarp—I mean, uh, the tarp that David and I uh, use, the, the or most of the, you know, the, the Mountain Lords designs, Trail Star, the way it's designed, it's incredibly wind resistant and it's much more storm resistant than your average tent, you know, backpacking tent would be. Um, so there's so so there's that there's that you know, it's actually even more secure than your average tent, um, and it's also. Um, uh just that getting the wind off you getting some you know when you put the tarp up and you get inside um as long as the wind's off you that's almost more than half the battle so so then you are actually surprisingly kind of comfortable mm. and cocooned and then you have that that kind of benefit of like loads more space in, inside as well um uh and it, yeah i, I you know I, i've just kind of got to love the tarp and you, you wake up in the morning you and straight away you can be lying in your sleeping bag and have a peek outside you know you can cook kind of just you know the, uh, tents can be really annoying because you have to cook outside and it gets really kind of awkward um you know so you can kind of cook kind of in the tent as well if you have to or just in the doorway and get a bit of shelter um so yeah, so I'd say we're pretty kind of similar in in, in that way. We're probably influenced, or probably Dave's probably more influenced me in in that way. But um, I don't know. Would you say that any anything unique that you do, David? Or? No, I mean, I, I guess. So yeah, we that thing that happened um, in the sort of I, what was that? The sort of the sorry, I, I, I hate to say it in, in the noughties, um that where where gear got lighter um and you know equipment equipment became more lightweight so you didn't have to be there's that sort of um you know I, I guess yeah I I I've certainly felt that was a 
you know, I didn't have to be this sort of like, like stormtrooper character, like who was able to carry like a 25 kilogram pack, you know, yeah. um, I didn't have to be, you know, because I'm not built like that. I'm not built on, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm not particularly sort of a, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the, you know, ex-military or anything, you know, I'm not that sort of the super strong guy. So, um, so I think that kind of helped. I mean, I guess on, on the other side, if you like, if you know, there's two, there's two sides to that in the, in the, you know, some of that gear can be prohibitively expensive. Um, yeah. The lighter, the more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, if we're trying to open the door to, to sort of, you know, ho- hopefully help helping people feel a bit more like, you know, uh, you know, folk can do this. I mean, I think the, the, the brands of some of the brands are a bit more aware of this and, you know, there are, I mean, we won't, we won't mention brands, but in terms of particular names, but, you know, there are some brands that are kind of have made things a bit more affordable for, for folk. Um, and I think, yeah, the thing, the thing is to just, um, yeah, be, be, um, be open to trying new things. I mean, I, yeah, I love the tarp. I love the sort of the lighter weight sort of approach. Um, it can go too far. And certainly as I've got a bit older, I've kind of, I think I've, um, I, I think probably a few, when Steph and I first met, I was probably quite Spartan, but I think I've probably got a bit softer in my, yeah. bit softened in my older age. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that's acceptable. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, so I've got one, one more question, a uh, really easy one for you both. Um, so perhaps somebody's listened to this and thought, fantastic, this is the, the guidebook for me. You know, I'm going to pick it up to a few routes. Um, it seems to offer exceptional value for money. Um, but what about the midges? What is the best time in Scotland to walk and enjoy the countryside without getting swarmed by thousands of small vampires? Yeah, I would, I would say the, uh, I mean, April and May are probably, the, you know, the, my favourite months mm. anyway. I mean, you, you know, you can uh, obviously get that combination of good weather if you're lucky, good summer weather um, with a kind of, general kind of absence of bugs um uh and october can be pretty good as well if you get particularly if you get a kind of early-ish sort of frost you know if it gets cold then and you've got the you know and, and obviously the scenery autumn colors uh that time of year uh fantastic um so th- those would be yeah those would be the the, the best times i mean um a you, you know a lot of it's down to um i mean i, I guess later in the year you know in the summer you you have you've got the midge problem but then you've kind of got a great you you know you've got warmer weather and you've maybe kind of got a um ability to kind of camp up higher or you know kind of get you know to uh you know camp up near the summits and so on that that might be kind of difficult in in kind of the more kind of autumn and winter winter months where you you know the weather might not allow it so you know you've got some scope to kind of escape it but yeah i must say like around that kind of august time uh, uh, and it's uh, i think one of the routes we did foin was a foin of round of strath dnard mm-hmm. um you know that that was um well, that was an interesting route for a couple. Of, I mean, and one thing, just harking back to an earlier question, that was one where we kind of devised the route almost on the hoof, wasn't it, David? Where we decided that it was one of the hills, Arkle, that we we would kind of leave, and we had a kind of conference on top of the hill about, um, right, we can leave that one out, but then we can kind of go around and we can make it around the Strathdeanard, and it's a really beautiful kind of route, mm. and it's a, a bit, you know, it's it's uh, it, you, you know, and it works that way. So, but anyway, but return to yeah, the, the the weather in that one was, um, it was a kind of you get these sort of weather, you know, where the weather just gets really yeah. slack and. 
very very muggy and humid and it was completely still and the midges were just were just absolute torture you know so that um and there wasn't even a breath of wind even high up the hill right. to get rid of them so um you know so that it can be really tough around that time of year um but i think yeah preparation mid you know head nets mm. um mosquito coils of some sort um or candles that you know i think you can get these candles that, that um deter them um it, you know if you're if you're not using a tent if you're using a tarp then some kind of bug net you know, air inner is really important um, because, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we all kind of have a laugh about midges, but it's, you know, deadly serious. It mm. can absolutely ruin a trip. It can make you turn back. It can be that bad, you know, if you're not prepared for it. Um, and I know there's some of the routes that I did in the book where if I didn't have the head nets um, and, you know, the other bits and bobs, then, uh, you know, I wouldn't have lasted more than the night. So, yeah, definitely, definitely be prepared. A couple of little sort of extras. So, like, um... And I think yeah. we might have even mentioned this in passing in the kind of how to equip bit of the of the introduction. Um, really obvious thing, not everyone uses one, but I mean, I don't tend to wear one outside of backpacking, but, you know, just, just like a, a kind of a baseball cap kind of thing, mm. um, just to kind of keep the, which can help you keep the head net off your face. Because one of the reasons why, a lot, I mean, I don't like having a, I don't, don't like wearing a head net, but the reason I don't like it is because it's kind of, it drapes yeah. on your face and it kind of gets in the way of your vision. But just having that kind of peak cap just keeps it away. It creates this sort of, you know, keeps the, the net away from your face. And, and um, so that can make things a bit more comfortable and a bit less kind of claustrophobic and sweaty. Because, of course, it's warm, you know, when you're, you know, you, the last thing you want to be is like kind of sweaty and covered in tiny biting insects. I mean, this is sort of, yeah, sure. uh, it's a nightmare. Um, and I'm, I'm also a, a big believer in them. Steph mentioned them. They sort of seem like they sort of fell out of favour a little, a little bit. The sort of the old-fashioned mix, uh, midge coil. Um, so, and you can now get, and I and I did end up buying one. Um, and I, but I think I've seen them in even on the high in the high street stores that you can kind of get like a little tray now, which is almost like a uh, sort of midge, a sort of a smoke diffuser. Um, so one of one of the issues with um, the the midge coil is that of course, and I've got burns in my equipment to to prove it is of course if you have them in the little stands, then of course it's an exposed hot ember, and that you know it's it, of course you can catch you know clothing or, or you know even bug nets or that kind of thing on them. Anyway, I just put I, I have this with me in the summer now, and I put it in this diffuser. And one thing is that it keeps the the naked flame or the naked ember away from your kit. Um, and then the other thing is, it, of course, it does move the smoke around, which then allows you to kind of, you know, it makes the, the midge coil more effective. So so I really like the, I mean, you know, it's very simple. It's just, you know, and it's a few quid. It's not, this isn't high tech stuff. You know, it's not sort of, you know, we're not in, we haven't got the latest kind of, um, doesn't rely on data signal. You know, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> yeah, just like, it's, it's like GPS. sort of less than a tenner's worth of sort of technology, if you like, that is yeah. then allowing you to be, in a, you know, to stay in one place. And actually, not having a totally unbearable time. So, yeah, I quite like just the old. If it can be low or no tech, I quite like those kind of things. Yeah, less breakable parts as well. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Well, that um, that concludes uh, the recording. So, um, I just wanted to give you both an opportunity. Um, are, there, are there any links, um, social pages, anything that you'd like to share with the audience? 
so websites or anything um, it doesn't have to be yeah, a cicero I mean, one or anything yeah i mean i mean if you're interested in in looking at a book then it's you know it's, it's mm-hmm. called scottish wild country backpacking i think that's what we've called it isn't it in the end yeah um <laughs> it is <laughs> and um, and yeah go go along to to just to the cicero website and have a look if that's if that tickles mm. your fancy um and then yeah and and again you know um, what's, I, um, I'm I'm just on on the internet as kind of myself, um, uh, yeah. uh, so there's a website if, if people want to go and have a look. And Steph, what's what's your website? Um, it's stephendercatch.com, but there's nothing there at the moment. It's um, um, it's a work in progress, okay. but there will be. <laughs> yeah, it, I know that feeling. <laughs> it, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it will be. It will brilliant. Be, it will eventually yeah. well fantastic well thank you both so much for joining me today it's been really lovely to have you on um and i think this podcast will go down very well and will be of significant interest to a lot of people who are very much interested in backpacking in scotland particularly those who may have already done the west highland way which seems to be blooming everybody at the moment so uh, maybe we'll give people a little bit a little bit of scope to go further up scotland and to explore something a bit different so thank you so much for joining me podcast i really hope you enjoyed that conversation with steph and david uh, i know i did so just as a quick reminder if you missed it at the beginning there is a competition running as well the link is uh, at the beginning of the competition but i'll give it to you again it is distancehiker.com forward slash cicerone and that will take you to the competition page so if you are entering best of luck um, but that is it for now so i um, hope you enjoyed the episode i will see you again in a fortnight with another episode with another fantastic guest but whatever you're doing until now and then i hope it's amazing and we're at the run-up to christmas now so uh, whether you are a uh, somebody who celebrates christmas or not um, regardless i really hope that you enjoy the festivities um, and i will see you again real soon bye <laughs>